on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Why are people trying to make Brent Venables and Deion Sanders have a beef? We talk about it. We also discuss what we heard that stood out at SEC Media Days, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, July 19th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichert and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of July, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted Lehman, how are we doing? Fantastic. Doing great. Week is cruising right along. I um I don't know. I'm uh, I'm we're getting close, dude. It's same thing happens every year. Feels like it's forever away. And then the next thing you know, it's on top of you, and we're about to get to that mark, man. Yeah. The the season is starting to feel very close. You know, you are, you're going to get a vacation in my wife's still dragging me all over the country. So I'm going to get some more travel in, but we, we've got a plan for everything. So don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we'll, uh, we'll have episodes just like we always do. Unfortunately, we got to start this episode with this just, I don't stupid, ridiculous. I don't even know where do we even want to start? with this Brent Venables and Deion Sanders situation that people appear to be just dead set on making a thing. Like where, where do you, where do you even want to start? Well, I don't know. I guess we, uh, we start with what Venables said. That's probably the most logical place to start. Uh, That's where the whole situation started, I guess. So I guess we could start there. Okay. So, you know, and I, I was at big 12, media days he mentioned it in the interview i did with him uh he mentioned in the interview that kref did right your your local radio station he he mentioned it in the interview with the ou uh students right ou sports nightly he he clearly i don't know i don't know what the goal was of mentioning deon sanders in the context that he did but clearly that was something that he wanted to say 
right? He is not a guy that does things by accident. But here's what Venable said when he was referencing the way that they've reshaped the roster and all the new guys that OU has. He said, quote, I gave guys 12 months of grace. I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out, right? And there's some context around that, but that is, that's the main thing that has really become a big deal, right? The thing that has blown up. I didn't, I didn't interpret it as a shot at Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, but it appears that a lot of people have. Ted, and what, what do you what do you make of this entire thing? Well, I what I make of it is a simple pointing out of two different ways of handling roster management. That's how I look at it. Um, there's the way Dion did it, which all of the same people that are upset about what Brent Venable said were probably the people at the time whenever Dion was doing what he was doing that were asking, is this okay? Is this is this all right to come in and ask this many players and, and say these things right away? Um, which I, my main thing is there's two different situations here. Dion came into a far worse situation than what Brent Venables did. So I could understand the way that he handled it right away. Okay. I I don't have much of a problem with that. Venables came into a better roster than what Dion did. So with a better roster, I could understand giving some of those players a little bit more time to see exactly what you got and see who's who's you know dedicated, putting in the time, improving developing i i honestly don't see any problem with it at all it's the strangest thing ever now i will say that venables did somewhat bring this on himself by putting a name to it with dion could have just said i you know i gave guys a full year to do it there's others out there that you know whenever they come in they make a full roster change right away I, that probably, or not probably, that would have avoided the the situation, but he didn't do that, and here we are. Right. He, I, I don't think Venables meant anything by it, but if he could do it over again, he probably just wouldn't mention Deion Sanders by name, right? That is, I don't know. Or, he did uh, it yeah. over again like three times and mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's the thing. It's I I wonder what because I I'm convinced Brent doesn't do anything by accident, right? He is one of the most calculated and prepared people I've ever been around, and for whatever reason, and I'm not entirely sure, like he wanted to mention that he did it differently than Deion Sanders, right? I I'm not sure what the goal was, and because he mentioned it multiple times and if he wouldn't have mentioned him by name I agree with you Ted I don't think this ever becomes a thing so I'm trying to figure out why he did it right like what the goal was what was what was the outcome that he was looking for by mentioning Dion like do you have any I couldn't really come up with anything because 
I, I could see, I really couldn't see any positives from it, which is very unlike BV, right? Yeah. And clearly, it, it's not the way that you and I interpret it, but there, there are clearly a, a lot of negatives, right? When you look at a pros cons list of mentioning Dion in the context that he did, there's no doubt the cons outweigh the pros if there are any I, that's where that's where it was confusing for me before we talk about you know the fake Dion quote that people were circulating as if it was real and all, and all of that stuff like I just I'm not entirely sure what the goal was yeah I don't I don't know this is this is kind of the weird dynamic of things is that you can you can which, you know, it's not weird that he said the same thing in a bunch of different interviews. A lot of coaches do a bunch of interviews at media days. And if you go back and compare all of those interviews with one another, they're almost all exactly the same in what they say. So especially not, the punchlines. Right. Yeah. So right. I, I don't know what it is, but it was something that was in, in his prepared remarks that th that's what he was going to do. I don't know if there's, if there's been some type of negative recruitment of Brent Venables by other coaches about how he's handled his roster and he's answering that. I, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't know the motivation behind it, but I know that it's, it's not all that bad. He just said he didn't do it like Dion did it. And, you know, he he did kind of frame it in a negative way about how Dion's doing it. So I I don't know. That's Which, you know, it's not that hard to frame it as a negative way with how Dion did it. You know, like showed up, showed a bunch of guys the door before ever even giving them an opportunity to practice or play or or do anything. So that's, I mean, it's controversial. It's the first time I remember ever in college football, someone approaching a roster that way. Right. That's because the first time we've seen it. Yeah. Right. To that magnitude. Right. And we talked about it on here, right? We understand why Deion Sanders is doing it the way that he's doing it. They had the worst roster in the, in power five football last year. That was a but, terrible football team. We're used to coaches waiting until offseason workouts and forcing them to leave instead yeah. of just cutting them. Yeah, and he just <laughs> he went ahead and, went and just ripped the Band-Aid all the way off, right? That's right. And I, I think they have like 11 guys, 11 scholarship guys back from their 85 a year ago. I mean, it's just insane. It's, it's insane. But I do think, I think a lot of people, especially – coaches aren't a fan of the way that Deion Sanders managed that roster, right? Because this isn't the NFL, right? This is college football, even as business-like as college football feels now with NIL and the portal and all of that. I, I don't think a lot of people like the way that Dion went about it, but ultimately Dion's job is to win games at Colorado. Right. And I know it sounds heartless. He didn't recruit any of those kids. Right. Those aren't his the quote unquote guys. 
right? So, and, and I believe I, I'm not sure anyone else could get away with doing it the way that he did it. Like he's Deion Sanders, you know. Well, he still may not get away with it. They you know? they're going to be a bad football team. Uh, I'm not sure people realize that TCU is going to smack them around in the opener. Right, like right now, it's all wow, interesting. It's a new way of doing things, like. And everyone's excited to see how it's going to go there with Dion at Colorado, me included. I'm I'm rooting for him. Um, Same. But I, numbers-wise, it's just going to be difficult, man. That's going to be really, really tough. And I know they've brought in a bunch of guys. And I, I think we all know what happens in the transfer portal, right? There's a ton of guys that enter the transfer portal. Like A lot of guys that were in the transfer portal that were – uh, people that Dion was selecting from a lot of those guys are guys that were air quotes, like run off of other places, you know? So it's not like, it's not like he was, there's a different portal and Dion's picking from a bunch of all Americans. Okay. Right. Like, it's all the same group that everyone's picking from. And m- outside of a small handful of examples most of the guys that are in the portal are backup players that weren't getting time somewhere. Right. And just, I I think the, you know, when you, when you think about the most annoying parts of, of what people are now saying about Venables and I completely understand now you and I clearly know him well, right? But, if you don't know Venables and you don't know that he is like the ultimate no excuses guy, the frustrating part for me is him saying it, mentioning Dion, framing it that way. Kind of looks like he's making excuses for going six and seven last year. And I just don't, I, I hate that people can even interpret it, interpret it that way because we know that's not what he's like, right? But yeah, it's you know, with him mentioning Dion and saying he gave guys grace, and now that you know all the changes that they've made on the roster, a lot of people are interpreting it as him saying, Hey, this is why we had the struggles we had last year, which may be true, right? There's probably a lot of truth in that, but yeah, there's a lot of people that are saying, "Oh, look at look at Venables making excuses for the bad season they had." And damn it, that pisses me off. Yeah, I don't know. I if it's if it's a way to make excuses, which I don't know. Maybe it is because you're right. I it's very easy to draw that from what he's saying. It's a really bad tactic. Like for the most part, that whole situation, like the six and seven season, which unfortunately we'll remember forever, but I think the college football world has moved on from that. Right. Like if there was a time to say, like, that's why you went six and seven, it was like in your exit interview of the season. Listen, this didn't go well. Um, you know, I wanted to give this a lot of guys on this roster a little bit more time. In hindsight, that was a wrong way to do it. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's this is the this is a really bad time to make excuses for six and seven whenever you've got all the positive momentum that you do right now in recruiting, right. 
you feel good uh, or better about your football team heading into this season. It would it would be very strange tactically if that was the case. Yeah. And I can't say whether it is or isn't. I mean, I can I can I can understand when people say that that's what it sounds like because it kind of does, but it's really in the context of those quotes, it wasn't really in response to being six and seven last year, was it? It was just like talking about the total roster turnover. This is what it was in the context of. It was, hey, Brent, how you doing? Very long answer stream of consciousness, <laughs> and it was in within that answer, right? That's usually how it yeah. goes with him. You have to go back in there and dig it out somehow and try and figure out. Yeah. Yeah. How but... do the linebackers look? Deion Sanders changed his entire roster, and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the part where this thing just went off the rails, right, was there was a graphic going around that had a fake quote attributed attributed to Deion Sanders that somehow created a fake internet beef between Venables and Deion. And, and basically, in the fake quote for Deion, it said that it <laughs> – it said that Venables had needed to refer to him as coach, which was hilarious, right? If you go back and you think about uh, Deion Sanders saying stuff like that in the past. And then he said that Venables had crashed the Ferrari that is OU football. And it was a funny joke, but I, I imagine whoever came up with it didn't think it would spread the way that it spread. I had so many people send it to me. And my initial response to everyone that sent it to me was, did you Google it? No, I saw it on the graphic. Well, did you Google it? Did he actually say it? Uh, oh, no, bro, it's fake. Well, no shit. The, here is a here's an easy rule for people. If If your initial reaction to something you see on a graphic on Twitter is, oh, damn, I can't believe that dude said that. Just go ahead and do yourself a favor. A quick Google search. If he actually said it, there's going to be articles from all the different outlets that cover college football. If he actually said it, take the 10 seconds to make sure it's real. And unfortunately, a bunch of people didn't do that, including Doug Gottlieb, who I said, hey, Doug, uh, that's fake. He ended up deleting the tweet. But just just make sure it's real. That's all I'm asking. It's not that hard, people. The, the whole thing... The fake quote, the graphic, all that spreading, it just, it was so frustrating, a little hilarious, I won't lie, but so frustrating, Ted. Well, my biggest, my biggest thing with that whole deal was what a beautifully constructed fake tweet or fake quote from Deion Sanders, right? Whoever made it, bravo. I, I, I was wondering if. Is that a chat GPT uh, created quote? Answer this question is Deion Sanders. <laughs> he was, Could be. Pretty good. pretty good. Throw some throw some luxury items in there. That's It's pretty good. I loved it. Yeah. So Dion eventually did end up tweeting about the whole thing. And here's what he said. Quote, please read slowly. I've never responded to any of these great coaches that choose to target me or our program here. I'm at walking and talking or I'm some walking and talking to talk. And if it were truly me, I would have referenced a Lamborghini. That's hashtag coach prize. 
Mm. Which uh, it, he also asked Twitter to put him in the direction of who put out the fake quote, like where it originated from. I don't know what he's going to do to the person, but yeah, he he didn't seem that bothered by it. But I just I could I couldn't believe this became a thing, man. I just I, I couldn't believe it. It all. It- when you start to get the the national talking heads to respond and 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 have opinions of it, that's whenever it's really. That's whenever you you look down and you go, oh, it's the middle of July. I I should have known, right? So I, all in all, I don't think that there's there's really anything there. Um, you know, I I think it's just a a a way of presenting the different roster um approaches um it's it wasn't the best way to go about things if you're venables maybe unless there's something there like there might be something there like as far as like recruiting and i don't know who i guess there's there could have been people that have said that He's he did the same thing at Oklahoma that Dion did. I I don't know what's being said out there in the recruiting trail that he like if he made it a point to put it out there, there may be something there that people have been saying or coaches have been saying in the recruiting circles. I just don't know, but it'll be over soon. There'll be our next outrage is coming up pretty quick. Yeah, people will move on, but we got to talk about the PTI thing. I mean, I I have a ton of respect for that show. I mean, they have a lot of people consider it the best sports show of all time, right? Those guys have been doing it for forever. They're legends in sports television. But really, Michael Wilbon, I mean, insinuating, and he he Michael Wilbon's an extremely smart dude. He knows exactly what he did, insinuating that. Venables said this and went after Dion because Dion is black. I just, <laughs> I, I got to assume that Michael Wilbon is limping around town today after pulling a muscle with that reach. That was, dude, that was so weird. Like that was, it was really, really odd. Yeah. It's, um, and this is like a larger thing, but, it's it's not it's it's really bad place to be in 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 society when you can like clearly and overtly like right out in front of everyone uh label someone a racist and it's like that's not even a big thing like to throw that out about someone's character and about about somebody on a national television show and like that's not even there's not even a headline on that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's strange how how easily you can throw something like that out there and just flat out not the case. It's it's dumb. I think Michael Wilbon and and the rest of the guys at PTI probably understand that uh, we got to grab on to anything that we can right now because our ass is getting cut just like everyone else. Every other opinion show on ESPN with their bloated salaries and everything, it's it's a matter of time. It's a ticking time bomb. So if you can create some controversy and create some waves and have people tuning in to see what you might say next, then I guess that's the way to do it. 
Well, I think I think Will Bond became very uh, very familiar with OU Twitter. If my timeline was any indication, <laughs> and I encourage, I, I encourage all OU fans to tweet at him and say, "Hey, man, what do you mean by that?" Right? Because what do you say? I have my suspicions. What are your suspicions? Say it. If you're if you're going to suggest that Brent Venables made that comment based on race, like come out and say it. Right? Don't uh, you know? Don't speak in riddles. And that is where that was that was really disappointing because I have a lot of respect for Michael Wilbon. The guy his the, the guy's built an amazing career off of hard work, tremendous writing. Like he he he's done some really special things in his day. For him to to play that card in that situation, like that just it, it was disappointing for me. Like we all know Brent Venables isn't a racist, right? <laughs> but we we all know that, but. I mean that show that show still has a massive platform. It does. And what those guys say, especially for, you know, kind of the older generation, like what that guy says, it, it still carries quite a bit of weight. So that was it was disappointing and frustrating. And I, I hope Will Bond addresses it because it, it, it was classless what he did. Yeah. No, I I I agree. I think it was uh think it was weak and you're right if you're gonna if you're gonna say something why well, dance all the way around it and like everyone knows what you're saying i mean you didn't use the a- actual term racist but um you everything but so yeah i don't know we'll see and i don't know maybe the next time coach venables uh is in front of a microphone he addresses it i don't know maybe this thing just dies like i said the the next outrage is coming in somewhere around 45 seconds so uh maybe it's dead after that but we'll see yeah we'll see i hope venable says something about it i would I, like if someone's I gonna will. yeah if someone okay. is going to kind of hint that i am a racist i'm saying something like it i just that's just how I am, man. Like I, yeah. I'm not. I am not letting that slide. No chance. So we'll right. see. We'll see if Venables ends up addressing it in any way, and we'll see if Wilbon says anything else about it. Right? I, I, yeah. I don't know. It, like you said, we're going to move on from this quickly, right? Because that's what we do um, when, when it comes to the sports sports cycle. But yeah, just a what a what a sequence of events. Yeah, what a domino was, effect. Yeah, it's funny too because Big 12 Media Day was quite a while ago, you know, and it took a while for that thing to gain any traction, right? And then uh finally did. I mean, I would say that Venables was harder on Miami than he was uh um on Dion. I mean, with what Miami did, I was, but or uh, what he said about Cristobal and Miami. And so I don't know. I, it was weird. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on. OU Texas is now called the all state red river rivalry, red river rivalry, red river rivalry, red river rivalry, nailed it. And my biggest takeaway, Ted is I like the logo. It's a good logo. Other than that, 
I'm going to keep calling it OU Texas, right? I, if I have to refer to it as Red River anything, I've always referred to it as Red River rivalry because that change was made, you know, from shootout to rivalry when I was a kid and it just kind of stuck for me. Uh, I never called it the showdown, even though that may have been what it was called when I played in it. I love the change. If if we can't use shootout, let's go with Red River rivalry, but I'm still just going to refer to it as OU Texas like I always do. Easiest way to do it. Yeah, uh, I'm the same. And I think is it every time they change a sponsor, they have to change the name so they can draw some attention back to it that Allstate is the new sponsor for it? Is that how that works? I Everyone loves a rebranding, right? Yeah. Yeah. New logo, new logos get the people talking. Yeah, I do like you, the logo though. the The fact that the golden hat wasn't in the logo before is just insanity. And good on Allstate for working it into the new one. It look it looks good. I guess. I mean, when you go to like marketing school, I don't know that. I mean, it seems easy, but a giant golden hat maybe doesn't come off as the first thing you would think of to make a good logo right away, but I don't know it. You're right. It works, works well. I mean, it's the trophy for the game. It makes all the sense in the world, right? Yeah, that's right. Any other thoughts? I know a lot of OU fans saw it. They're like, I'm going to keep calling it the red river shootout. Or I, I think a lot of people are like me and just call it OU Texas, but did did this mean anything to you? Are you are you a fan of the new sponsor? Are you an Allstate guy? Are you are you glad AT and T has stepped aside? <laughs> like I, the only thing I thought was, oh, that's going to be tough for some people to say that aren't used to saying it, and that's a nice logo. That was my reaction. Well, whenever they changed it back to Red River Rivalry, obviously with me, I brought up instantly how dumb it was that they changed it from Shootout. Um as if because that's what the game is called that someone might show up and think, oh, I thought this was a shootout, so I brought my gun. Ridiculous. Um, so I think about that, and then I think about how dumb it is that Texas fans call the game the Texas OU game, which I know they want to put Texas first, but it sounds so stupid, right? It's way harder to say. It yeah, absolutely it is way harder does to not say. Flow. And I know that like I'm arguing for putting OU first, but I don't even think about it. It's just the way that it comes off the tongue is so much better. Yeah. I I've had this discussion with a lot of guys that, that work in TV and radio. And this has always been my suggestion, right? If you have if you have a strong tie, right, you call it what the, your your school first. Right. So you call it OU Texas if you're us. If you're, you know, our buddy Fozzie Whitaker there at Longhorn Network, Michael Griffin, you call it Texas OU, right? That that makes all the sense in the world, right? But if you are kind of an impartial person, you call it by you call it the name, the name of the team that won the previous year is how you refer to it. Hmm. So yeah, on, on a year that OU wins, right, for that entire calendar year, it's OU Texas. If Texas won last year, like they did, right? I know we're all trying to forget that game as quickly as possible. But for that year, it's referred to as Texas OU. If that's how you want to refer to the game. Now, 
I got a lot of, I got a feeling that a lot of people are just going to say Red River rivalry now. But if you are, if you are kind of impartial and you're supposed to be neutral with how you talk about the game, I thought that was the easiest way to do it. Who won it the previous year? That team goes first. Yeah. That is the best way to do it. Um, I think the only people that are going to call it the Red River rivalry are people that are doing the broadcast of the game on radio or on television. Everyone else, nobody says that. No one says, hey, I'm trying to find some tickets to the Red River rivalry. Do you know of a place? It's trying to find OU Texas tickets, right? I mean, that's. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But it, it's I, way more efficient. You're right. I mean, it part of the bragging rights of winning the game is punishment of having to refer to it in, you know, with the other team first. I think that's fair. Yeah. And if you're a player for one of those teams and you don't like it, win the damn game. Yeah. There you go. Right. Fly. Right. All right. I last like thing. It. Little recruiting news. Four-star wide receiver. Zion Reagans, which by the way, guy just sounds fast. I know he is fast, but just sounds fast. What a fast sounding wide receiver name from the state yeah. of Georgia commits to OU over Georgia and Florida state said, this is not a big guy, right? Five, eight ish, 155 ish pounds. But this dude can absolutely fly. Yeah. He, <laughs> He can go and you watch him on he's he's because of the small stature. I mean, there's a lot of guys that that are fast, straight line speed, right? And he's got that without a doubt. But what's interesting about guys like that is like him, he's at that full speed. He can make a full speed cut running at elite speed. Most guys can't do that. Like if you watch, right? Remember when? Um, oh gosh, the guy at Seattle receiver that chased down the dude at Arizona, um, DK Metcalf. Uh, yeah, Metcalf. Um, like he can absolutely fly, but he can't be stretched out full speed and put a toe in the ground and change directions. Right? Just can't do it. It would be. It would kind of just be unfair with the way that that dude is built. It'd be unfair yeah. if he could. Now he can. I'm not saying that he can't make cuts at high speed but would you watch zion raggins or is it reagan i don't know i i figured if it was raggins it would have two g's double g yeah i've i've heard raggins but i don't let's let's zion. go with that then yeah zion when you watch him play full speed just like it's he's once he gets up to the top speed he it doesn't he doesn't ever come back down it's impressive yeah He's got a he's got a 10-3-7 meter on his resume, several 10-5s. He's mm. a guy that won the 5A 100-meter state championship as a freshman and sophomore. Something must have happened his junior year cuz he only got second, I guess. I mean, I, I, who are we recruiting that guy? Yeah, we need uh, to recruit whoever beat him. That's <laughs> that's for sure. But I I think when you look at this, a lot of people see it and go, "Well, he's tiny." He is, man. That's right. But we've seen OU use smaller wide receivers and have tremendous success. Uh, and it's, you know, it's 
I think the easy one to refer to is Hollywood Brown. Uh, when he got to OU, that that dude was not big at all. And look what he ended up doing and look at the type of professional career he's having, especially when he's healthy, right? So that's what you envision. But the important thing, they went down into the Southeast and grabbed a player. Right? Now, hopefully they can do that more with guys that play O-line and D-line, right? Going down there and getting getting big bodies, but... It is not insignificant that Emmett Jones was able to go into the state of Georgia and grab a guy that Georgia wanted, especially with how Kirby Smart has things rolling. And I don't want to hear it from Georgia fans. Well, if he if Kirby wanted him, he would have been a dog. You can say that all you want. They did want him. They offered it. Georgia was in his final three. He took a visit there. They wanted the guy, and he's going to Oklahoma. That That's a good win. That's a good win for Emmett Jones, for Brent Venables, for the program. And you've got to do more of that. So that I'm hopeful that this is, this is something that becomes more common for Oklahoma, that they can go down into that region and and grab big time players. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I'll tell you the thing that I think is the best in I'm not worried about his size. First of all, they're not asking him to go in and, and, you know, block the backside on split zone or I, he's going to be a burner. They're going to give him the ball in the open field. They're going to hand it to him on some of the quick stuff. They're going to put him on the outside and have some poor DB run with him down the field over and over and over on go routes. I mean, that's what he's going to do. Maybe, maybe a return guy. I don't know. Um, so I'm not worried about that. As long as you've got different gu- size guys to do different roles, I'm fine. And we've got that. But well, I think whenever you look at the overall speed, team speed is improving, but specifically at wide receiver. All right, we all of a sudden got some burners. Uh, the Brendan Thompson kid from Texas, um, Zion Raggins coming in, the Pedway kid that that is now on campus doing summer workouts and Venables at big 12 media days. He mentioned like he mentioned him several times that he is a guy that's, that's really standing out. He's going to play. Yeah. And we have, we have gotten a lot faster overall at wide receiver. And don't forget Andrew Anthony, Andrew Anthony, uh, Oh, Gavin Freeman can fly. You know, we, we just, we got a bunch of guys that are really fast. Yeah. No, it's the the work that Emmett Jones is doing is impressive. And have you watched the the quarterback thing on Netflix yet? No, I haven't. In, in the second episode, the episode's titled Homecoming, and, and they do the same. It's like Cousins going back and playing in Washington, right? And they do they do uh, the sequence on Mahomes going back to Tech. And getting his and getting in their ring of honor, mm-hmm. and guess guess the one coach that is mentioned by name on the graphic, like talking to Mahomes, dapping him up, huh, Simba well, Jones. That's good. Doesn't hurt recruiting when you're appearing on the Netflix documentary, dapping up Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying, doesn't hurt. That's good. Yep, that's good. He's um, I'm I'm excited. I think the wide receivers are. They're in a good place talent-wise, roster-wise. Let's see if it translates onto the field. 
No doubt about it. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you the most important thing that happened this week for OU football, and there's there's really just one I want to get to because we've kind of covered everything else that people mentioned. But John Shoup said, Horns down won't be called a penalty in the SEC. Hashtag Red River rivalry because the SEC doesn't bend the knee to Texas. Hashtag Boomer. That, uh, yeah, do you see the SEC head of officiating say, yeah, you know, you know, maybe if they're doing it like right in their face, but other than that, we're not calling that. I loved hearing it. Let you absolutely love to hear it, Ted. I did too, but I don't know. Tell me if you feel the same way. Like, whether we like it or not, we're, we're going into this thing with, with Texas. So, in a lot of ways, we're kind of lumped together, you know, whenever the, the two new guys are coming into the conference. Isn't it pathetic, though, that I we all knew that that question was going to be asked? Yeah. I, it's so pathetic. It's like, please, whatever you do, just don't do the, the horns down thing and embarrass all of us and look like a pansy. Just please don't do it. Just and guys. Yes, here it comes. Guys, Is the horse don't down do it. going to be a penalty? It's, it's like when you're walking in to a really cool party. Like, it's you and your buddy, right? And I, I don't know if this has ever happened to me in my life, but it's you and your buddy, and you're walking into a really cool party. You don't really know anyone else. Just like, hey, man, be cool. Don't, don't embarrass us. That's what I feel like we're saying to Texas. Like, hey, man, don't, don't care about the horns down thing. Like, do, not in front of our new friends, dude. Come on. Come on, Listen, act cool. When we get home, you can tell me about the flat earth thing. Right? You can explain <laughs> it all to me when we get home. Just not here, not tonight. Just not not at this new awesome party, okay? <laughs> Chill. Uh, that's the dumbest comparison ever, but it is, yeah. But, yeah, that was good to hear. A little, uh, going be, gonna to be a lot of horns down from everyone in the SEC. And that's, that's fine. Everyone's going to survive. This is the perfect example for me, though, or not example, but situation. I want it to be called a penalty when they're on the road against LSU at night, tight game late, and LSU gets flagged for throwing the horns down. That's what I want. That's the best situation. You you want the world thrown into chaos. You yes. are an agent of chaos, sir. Yes, that's it. That's that's what I want. Like, like imagine you remember the West Virginia situation when they were playing West Virginia at home, and um, what was the quarterback's name? Oh my gosh, uh, Will Greer. Yeah. And oh, you're talking about Tech when Texas was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Texas and West Virginia, and he threw the hordes down as he's going to the end zone, and it got called back. West Virginia ended up winning that game, but I, I, that's, I want that exact situation to happen at LSU or at Tennessee. I, and I don't know if this is the best way to put this, but at LSU at night, ref doesn't want to die, man. He's not calling that. I know. He he's thinking of it like briefly it, when he reaches for that flag, his children are flashing into his mind. Like if I throw this, I may not walk out of here in one piece. 
or maybe he throws it and they have like a little uh conference out there on the field and one of the guys is like dude what in the hell is wrong with you yeah you're gonna uh, tear this place apart pick pick the flag up pick the no flag, flag up. no flag <laughs> doug do you want to get us killed pick the flag up yeah no not happening all right birthday shout out ted we only got one an all-time okay. low i'm gonna give it to you just because the last you're name not is... sure on the last name <laughs> yeah you got it man Happy 15th birthday to Jackson Lambrugo. I think you nailed it. Jackson Lambrugo. That's what I was going with. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup where we talk some SEC media days. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java money. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Their food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, National College Football Roundup, SEC Media Days this week in Nashville, and two days down, two days to go. It is a four-day event. Said I... Are we going to go next year? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You, you're going to be reluctant, but I know you're going to go. I can see the look in your eye. For the first, for the first, the inaugural year, it's close. Yeah, probably. But yes. Yeah. So Greg Sankey announced that SEC Media Days will be held at the Omni in downtown Dallas in 2024 which it seems like a very nice welcome to Oklahoma and Texas and, and to all the media members, right, that cover those teams. Going to be awfully convenient. We got to go. I would assume we'll both be there doing radio. We'll, maybe we can sprinkle in some podcast stuff while we're, down, while we're down there as well. Be easy. Knock it all out. And my goodness, four days, it's like there's concerts going on. There's there's all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's probably going to be a scene. Yeah, it seems like the SEC is pretty dead set on getting the mem the media members that cover that conference nice and drunk, <laughs> right. which is the it's way hard. it should be. Great job, Southeastern Conference. Everyone's like, you know, it's 1 a.m. Man, this is just the best conference there is, man. It's the best. I love it just the means more, brother. Just means more. Now, it, do you think a, a lot is being made about them moving 
that to Dallas next year. And remember, SEC media days, they're moving it all around now, like within that footprint. Some people view it as Sankey tried to take over the state of Texas. Uh, some people view it as a slight to Texas A&M. Like, did you, how, how did you interpret that announcement from Greg Sankey? Well, I think it's laughable when people say it's not in Dallas because of Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, it is. It's never been in Dallas before. Uh, It's a massive media market that they're trying to capture. And how did they try to capture it? By bringing in Oklahoma and Texas. All right, that's it. So they're going to go to Dallas because Oklahoma and Texas are in the, it's not to be closer necessarily, but it's to get all of those fans in the Dallas area. uh, OU fans, Texas fans. I mean, there's a lot, it's a huge football area and to be able to go into that market. And I'm not saying that that market wasn't interested in the sec before. I mean, everyone in college football has been, but to be able to welcome it and and put your stamp SEC in Dallas, something that they've never done. And that specifically is the reason they brought in OU and Texas is for that huge market. OU and Texas dominate Dallas. And the fact that the SEC is going to be able to move in there and grab those ratings, they're going to celebrate it and they're going to make everyone aware. Yeah. And it, it makes you wonder because the – when you look at Dallas, like the breakdown, they're they're alumni from everywhere there, right? But there are a ton of UT grads and a ton of OU grads. I don't think a lot of people realize just how many OU people live in Dallas. Huge. The OU club of Dallas is huge. It's massive. And I, I love that the SEC is, I don't know if throwing OU in Texas a bone is the right way to put it, but the fact that they're saying, hey, yeah, welcome to the conference. Your fans, all these people, like all the media members that cover your teams, we want you to feel welcome. I, I just think it's I just think it's smart business from Greg Sankey, right? And, and I'm sure there's a little, hey, we want the SEC or we want Dallas to be an SEC city. I'm sure there's a little bit of that to it, right? There, there's always there is always a business angle to these decisions, but at the very least, I just think it's Greg Sankey saying, Hey guys, welcome to the conference. And I don't know. I, when I saw, I was like, thanks Greg. Like that makes me feel, that makes me feel good. I don't have to go that far for my first sec media days. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be comfortable there in Dallas. I just, I don't know. I just thought it was, I just thought it was a common sense, intelligent decision from the conference. Yeah, and it's probably going to be a – it's always a big deal. You see what's been going on now with it. It's a huge deal. They do it right. My guess is next year in Dallas, it's going to be over the top just to say, like, this This is kind of how we do things. And – you're going to have a lot of people kind of coming out of there saying like gearing up for the season going to be like, this is going to be different. It's going to be insane. I I think that's what they're going to try and gear people up for. And I don't know. It's awesome. And it's, listen, it's in Dallas. 
Dallas has not been in the footprint before. It is now with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, you know, as, as far west as we are, the, we're the westernmost in this thing. So, like, there's a bunch of, like, there's like the old school SEC diehards are like, no, you know, this doesn't have anything to do with Oklahoma, Texas. Are you drunk? I, how could, I don't even understand how you could say that. It's not within the footprint. They've never had it there before. Yeah, it's exactly why they're doing it. And I think it's going to come off really well for everyone. And it's Dallas. It's not like they're having it in Paul's Valley or anything, okay? Dallas is easily accessible for everyone uh, in the conference. It's going to be good. Yeah, easy to get there, right? shot at Paul's Valley, I'm just saying. Yeah, unnecessary shot for just a ricochet (laughs) shot for Paul's Valley there. Wow. Like, whoa, Paul's Valley did not think they were going to be in this discussion. You, you're a small town Oklahoma guy. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Love Paul's no. Valley. It's fantastic. Yeah, but I think Texas A&M fans are going to get over it, right? A- anytime focus is placed on Texas and not them, they get all up in their feelings, and I'm sure they're annoyed that everyone's saying this is only for OU and Texas. They're like, no, there's lots of A&M grads in Dallas too, which. There probably are, but no one really cares. But yeah, this is this is cool, and, and I'm excited. I think it's smart by the conference. It's exciting for OU and Texas uh, players, fans, media members, and I won't lie. It made me wonder if Oklahoma City could host SEC Media Days someday. Can we get big enough to host SEC Media Days? I they move it around. Hey, if Hoover, Alabama can host it, and I know it's just right outside of Birmingham. I get that. But if Hoover, Alabama can host it, Oklahoma City can host it. Just saying. Agree. Just saying. Agree. You look concerned. What happened? I am. Uh, can I run to the restroom real quick? Ooh. I got snot that's about to run out of my nose. I was looking for a Kleenex. And a break. And we're back. All right. Looking at some of the other significant things that have come out of the first two days of SEC Media Days. Jimbo Fisher, man. He just... He just loves making his fan base nervous, doesn't he? I mean, he refused to say that Bobby Petrino will call the plays for Texas A&M. And here's what he said. Here's the quote. Hopefully he'll call the game. We'll have suggestions on things we do, whether it's offense, defense. Every coach is always involved. It's more a collective thing than people want to give it room for. Now he went on to say that he's got a ton of respect for Bobby Petrino, his ability to call plays, thinks he can do it. But Ted, Jimbo Fisher refuses to come out and say, yeah, Bobby Petrino is going to be our offensive play caller. And I don't think Texas A&M fans like hearing him not just come out and say it, man. It's starting to starting to make that fan base a little nervous. It creates the perfect, like, I love it because there's nothing better than when Jimbo Fisher starts to squirm, right? And starts pointing accusations right back at people and, talking faster and faster and faster. Uh, it's great. I just think he he has his style of offense that they've run. Bobby Petrino has a different offense. It's not wildly different, but he's got a different play calling style. He's got a, a few different things that he likes to do. I just think Jimbo is correctly hiding where the influence of the offense is going to be so so people don't just like 
if he's like, yep, it's Bobby Petrino's offense. That's why I brought him here. He's going to run with it. I've liked the things that he's done recently. Um, like he's 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 really good at putting his system in. Well, then everyone is just going to only study his system, right? If you go out there and say that, and uh, if you at least leave a little bit of uh, mystery there, guys are going to have to still dedicate time during the offseason of what A&M has done recently and what they think they may continue to do and like what of the keys key things from Jimbo's offense that they may pull from and, and continue to do I think that's all he's doing is just trying to to keep people from from really dialing in and keeping things as is you know clouded as possible but i love that everyone keeps asking him and making a huge deal of it it's yeah, great <laughs> i love it i love and i love how upset it makes his own fan base they're just like could you please say that he's going to call the plays that you're I not going to do it please don't you think that there's a deeper problem there whenever you're begging your head coach to say that he's not going to be calling plays isn't that's kind of a, a pretty big tell isn't it i would say it's not where you want to be as a college football fan, right? And I will I, I will maintain my position. Bobby Petrino would not be there if he wasn't going to be the play caller. Right? With everything I've ever heard about that guy. Yeah. I I imagine I don't know if he got it in writing, but I imagine there was a verbal gentleman's agreement that like, yeah, if I take this job, I'm calling the place. Now maybe there wasn't. Maybe there wasn't, but the drama that this is creating is fantastic, right? Because A and M they have not been they have ju they've just not been as good as they should be offensively these last couple of seasons. They just haven't, right? With the talent that they have, they have they have significantly underachieved offensively, and I just I don't know why Bobby Petrino would take that job for any other reason than like, yeah, I'm gonna have full control of this thing, but. Who knows? Jimbo's his boss, technically, and Jimbo doesn't seem he, – he seems a bit reluctant to give up control, <laughs> just a little bit. He, it doesn't seem like he wants to be the CEO type of guy, right? That That doesn't seem to be something that he's overly interested in, which I guess I guess we'll see how it goes. I don't, I don't know. Part of me hopes it goes terribly. It's going to. We, uh, just think of the situation. I I I think Jimbo. Sometimes I feel like he's purposely trying to get fired. Get like, the buyout. Just, yeah, just think of this. Like after last off season, with the whole Saban thing and how they did the recruiting class. Tons of controversy goes into the season. They have a horrible year. They lose to App State. It's just chaos. Who would ever think hiring Bobby Petrino is going to bring stability at offensive coordinator to their situation? Like what what hire is that? I you are purposely creating a sideline feud that's going to be on national television in a horrible loss to, I don't know, insert whatever team you want. It's going to happen. It's going to be a disaster. I, I'm glad 
I, this is the type of things I want to see. It's just the craziest hire ever, isn't it? I I was in about the middle of the season when TCU was really getting rolling and A&M was struggling. I was like, man, Jimbo should try to hire Garrett Riley. Like, I was dead set. I was like, they need to go after Garrett Riley, pay him whatever he wants, have him come in there and kind of jumpstart that offense, modernize it a little bit, and they hired Bobby Petrito. Yeah, he's on the, he was on the defensive for so long about it. Someone smart actually hired Garrett Riley really yeah. quickly, like right yeah. out of the gate, paid him a ton of money. Who's that? Oh, someone who's won a couple of national championships in the last five or six years. No big deal. Yeah, so I, I don't know how it's going to go. They got a yes, lot of good. <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking it won't go well, but maybe even if know, it goes well, it's going to go bad. That's true. You but know what I'm saying? The some people you've been around people like this. Some people just need that person in there that's gonna rub them the wrong way and like grind their gears, and for some weird reason that gets the best out of them. Maybe. Maybe that's what Jimbo is doing here. He's like, who can I bring in here to piss me off as much as possible to where I get the best out of myself? Let's bring in Bobby Petrino. Like the one of the strongest personalities possible. I don't, I don't know, but I know this. All the Texas A&M fans that I know are worried about this situation. And I love that. I think it's going to be incredibly entertaining throughout the season to see how it goes. I actually think Bobby Petrino runs a good offense. I do. But it, uh, this is why I think, not that he's trying to get fired, but that he's I, purposely, directly shoving it in your face. We need to get new and innovative. So he hires the oldest offensive coordinator in the country. Right? I mean, even though his offense is, it's not like they're running stuff from the eighties or nineties. Like he's, he's good at offense, but the hire still says, okay, I'll hire someone, but I'm not going to hire someone new and innovative. Like it's like, I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And I want everyone to look at this hire and I don't, no one liked it. There's nobody that liked it. Some people may have acted like it, but it's him like forcing uh, his will over the entire fan base. Once again, he's in charge, man. That's right. All that money's guaranteed all of it. And the fans are going to have to deal with it. it it's, it's going to be his way. But one of the interesting parts, uh, we, I talked to Dana Holgerson and Gus Malzahn, both of them at big 12 media days. And, they both have gone away from play calling, right? And those are two like that's where that's why they're in the position they're in because of being great offensive minds, being great play callers, right? And Holgerson went as far as say like two years ago, having to be the head coach and balancing everything that you have to now, and being the play caller, like having that weight on you and making all those decisions on one side of the ball. He said it almost killed him. He was like, we we were going, I think they were going to play UConn or something like that. And he said, someone else call it. I can't do it. I'm done. Like, I'm toast. 
And Gus Malzahn said the same thing. He was like, dude, there's just there's too much going on now in college football for me to be able to focus all the energy I need to focus on the offensive game plan and getting ready and getting it to the place that I want to get it to. And also having to handle all the other duties of a head coach. He's like, I can't do it anymore. So it was just funny to hear those guys talk about it like that. And then you've got Jimbo Fisher, who A&M has not had a ton of success these last couple of seasons going, eh, we'll see. <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'll think, I, we, you know, we'll see who calls it. Any, we, both of us could call it. It'll be fine. It's like these other guys were like, it is, it's unsustainable. It's brutal. Couldn't do it anymore. Meanwhile, Jimbo's like, ah, maybe I still got it. <laughs> it's like everyone else, you guys design it. I'll call it. I need to be the one over there holding the uh, the play sheet. Yeah. Well, that's and that's what Holgerson said. It's interesting. He's like, I am in the room. Like, I'm in the offensive room. I want to be comfortable with every play on the call sheet, right? With what we're doing situationally. He's like, I'm heavily involved, but on game days, like I, you know, maybe I'll flip on the headset every once in a while. I'll suggest something because like, it's just it's too much, man. So I, I I found that really really interesting. Yeah, it is. I there there is a lot to it, man. And offensively, defensively, it just kind of goes back to my point, though. Like, can you think of another coach, a head coach, that's either offensively or defensively uh, specialized, where the fan base? would be upset that that guy is is calling the plays. Like, if it came out that, hey, Saban's going to call plays this year on defense, you think people would be upset about that? No. Like, it, anyone. Like, Holgerson. Like, if if they said he's calling the offense, everyone would be like, good, okay, yeah, that's, that's why he's here. You know, but Jimbo, it's like, no, no. It's so funny, man. I love it. It is. Beautiful. It- it's entertaining for sure. All right. A couple other things. Uh, Saban is talking right now at SEC Media Days. So I'm sure some good stuff are going to come out from Nick. But in case anyone was wondering, what does Nick Saban think about OU and Texas coming into the SEC? Here's the quote I think it's a great addition. You have two great programs with great tradition. It's going to be even more challenging. There's a lot of positives about it. Lord Saban has spoken. He likes it. That's all That's all we need, right? That's the only approval you need. That's it. Who cares that's what the running back from LSU said? He knows nothing. He's not Nick Saban. Nick Saban's like, yeah, it's good. All right, then I'm in. Perfect. Yeah, it's, that's, that's what most people are going to say. Did you hear the Georgia? I don't know who the player was. Offensive lineman. Yeah, it was the perfect response. Like, he heard that one directly from coach Kirby smart before they got off the plane at media day. It's like, Hey, if anyone asks about OU Texas, we'll be respectful of them. Good programs going to be competitive. All right. That's it. And he, the player like kind of gathered himself for a second and then er, went right into uh laser focus mode is good. Cedric van Pran von Pran. I'm not entirely sure how you say it. guy can play interior lineman for Georgia. He's a good player. And that's why that's why coaches send offensive linemen to media days. Big brains, big brains. Right. That's it, right? 
no one really cares what the offensive linemen think, right? Even if you're going to be a high round draft pick, no people really don't second, care. What position does he play? I think he plays center. Okay. I was going to say, they don't send guards. They typically don't. You don't see a lot of offensive guards <laughs> making the trip. That's, that's true. But he is, yeah, I, I thought that he handled that extremely well. The only other thing coming out of the first couple of days, anything that Kirby Smart said that stood out to you, obviously back-to-back national champs. He did address the speeding issue, uh, said the biggest threat to his team is complacency, which is, God, what a quote. But yeah, really, those were the main main things from Kirby that that came out of it. Was you know he, he the quote was we're doing more to prevent speeding than anybody in the country. So uh, <laughs> he's quote he confident in the education that we are doing. So I I mean, what I is he supposed to say? Like, hey man, I can't control everything these kids do. Like, I'm trying my best, guys. You know, I think it's. Uh... He, I think he also said that it's it's way it's less than it was previously. Yeah, it's like oh, it's like whenever the government comes out and says inflation's down. Wait a minute, down from where? Right from the all time high? Yeah, okay, maybe it's down a little from the all time high, but it was pretty funny. You know, the complacency thing's interesting. I had Coach Stoops on the show yesterday and kind of asked him about Kirby Smarts that quote won back-to-back titles like how difficult is it and coach stoops i thought he was he was dead on he says yeah with younger guys whenever you have have had a lot of success and there's younger guys that come in and and they don't have they don't know what it was like before all of the success there's this like everyone just kind of expects that it's going to happen and if you show up to play quarterback at Georgia well you're going to win two national championships just like um you know the previous guy did and um come on man Stetson sorry Stetson the previous guy how about that you know the guy the one guy the one you know the guy so I you know I think that there's something to that I I feel like the success has been it's so high and so recent that I don't think they're to that point yet, but there will be a point where, you know, you're going to be playing with guys that don't know what it's like and expect it to always be rosy. And, you know, it's the cycle is going to have to kind of start over a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's this year. Maybe not. Right. I, you look at their schedule and I love how, what did he say? Come play it, which I thought, (laughs) He had some really good lines ready. I mean, had a couple that were he, he was he was in his bag a little bit with some of those lines, but I and this is something you talk a lot about like saying that the biggest threat to them is complacency. There was zero doubt in my mind that he was talking directly to his players. Yeah. Right. Hey. Like, oh, oh, you better not start feeling yourself. Right now you want to be confident all these things, but like we can we can go win a third if you guys don't get too comfortable. Basically, that's how I interpret it, interpreted in him saying that to the media, to everyone. And SEC Media Day is a big deal, right? Yeah. It, it's a big deal. So his players heard that, and they have to be like, yep, he's been saying it. He's going to keep saying it. Yeah. I, I thought one of the interesting things uh, – now, this wasn't Georgia, but I thought it was great when <laughs> – 
when Vanderbilt's coach said we shudder at the thought of being known as a what an academic institution that that also plays football is that not the quote of the year hey he first of all Clark Lee congrats he got an extension they just announced his extension and he I like that guy I've never met him but I like him I, I like how he carries himself it seems like he is improving that roster and it's gonna be you know with the academic restrictions they've got it's gonna be tough but yeah that was I I got a good chuckle when he said that we shudder at the thought. <laughs> oh, it was we good. We do not want to be known as a good academic school anymore. We want to be known as a good football school. Yeah, he was uh, clearly, he was uh, joking a little bit, but he, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Vandy ends up looking like. Still a long road to them being the best program in college football, like he said they were going to be. So, but yeah. hey. What Seems they like put, they're closer today than they were when he took over. What was the number? Didn't they put like six hundred million, something like that, yeah. or more into facilities? Yeah, that they're building. Yeah, Pretty and impressive. the season starts really soon, and there's a bunch of people that are staying in that hotel, which you can see into Vandy Stadium, and it doesn't look like those uh, renovations are going to be done for the season. Looks like they may be a little behind schedule. Mm. Well, yeah, I feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah. They shudder. <laughs> so good. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSS AA athletics where they've won over hundred state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and control your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I, I thought this was cool. Got to go with Paul Skeen's uh, number mm. one overall pick from LSU. We got to see him in the in the College World Series. Signs for a record with the Pirates. $9.2 million signing bonus, uh, over a million dollars uh, above the uh, uh, the previous record for Spencer Torkelson in 2020. So that's big money that clearly says that um, they believe this kid's going to be legit right out of the gate, and how could you not? Yeah, that is a uh, – that's a big man on the mound. You. Huge. Yeah, you look at him, and that's where – and this is something we've talked about before. 
how how long does a guy like that need to stay in the minors? Right. If you're paying a guy, if you're giving him that type of signing bonus, don't you just throw him in the fire quickly? Or that I guess that, that's just not how baseball works. It's just we do it in every other sport, but it's just not how it's not how baseball works for whatever reason. I don't I, and I don't know the reason. I'm sure there's good reason behind it. Right. Maybe I, maybe you let him go have a little bit of failure to where he doesn't step in get shelled one night and like fall apart mentally or something. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of like the arms ready. I, he's got everything. We know what he's going to throw. He is what he's going to throw. Let's get him out there and start getting some, some bang off of our investment. Baseball. As far as I can tell, baseball is the only sport where the decision makers go, Let's go rack some miles up on this guy, and then we'll bring him. Right. I don't know. It's it's really there. There's got to be some science behind it. Uh, I would assume. And if you are, if anyone out there is dialed into the baseball world like that, let us know. Tweet yeah. at us. Let us know. Uh, but, but it is. It's interesting because, like in football, you're like, hey, we don't, we we don't want this guy going and it's like you send him to the XFL to play a season or two, and then you bring him to the big club. I just, I don't know. It's just it's so strange to me. It is. It's, it's totally different. And I can't imagine he spends hardly any time down. I mean, go throw a couple of games perhaps, but get up here in the bigs where you can work with our coaches, see our players, you know, develop in our locker room, I don't know. Maybe if you got a really crappy team like the Pirates have had, maybe it's like we don't want you around these guys. <laughs> Go somewhere else. I don't. We, I don't know. We don't want their suck to rub off on you. That's right. Uh, all right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Well, there's some folks out there setting records with uh, signing bonuses, like Paul Skeens, and there's others who are not. NFL running backs losers of the week. Cannot get a deal done as a free agent running back. You're going to have to get um, franchised. Uh, free. I mean, all you have to do is look at Joe Mixon, right? Joe Mixon was asked to reshape his deal. I think he was due to get like 10 or, or so. I, I don't know what it was exactly, but it's like I can either restructure, take a hit, or I can go test free agency because I can re I'm about to get cut, right? Because of what's on my my contract. I can't test free agency right now as a running back. You just can't flat out can't do it. There's no market there. There's no money there. I'm gonna restructure and stay on a really good team. That's what you gotta do. Um it's 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 crazy to see what has happened to that position over the last 20 years. Yeah. As far as financially. Right. And you know, this, <laughs> I love, I can't remember who tweeted it, but someone was like the running backs have taken their group chat to Twitter. Like they put, they're <laughs> yes. just putting it all out there. Like it, and it has everything to do. Saquon Barkley and the giants weren't able to get a long-term deal done. He's playing on the tag, uh, Josh Jacobs, right. Who's what? 25 years old. You've got, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott doesn't even have a team right now. And I think everyone is trying to figure out who to blame, right? Do you, 
Do you blame the NFLPA? Do you blame organizations? Like, are all the organizations colluding, right, to just not pay running backs? But really, if you're going to blame anything, blame blame the analytics of football and how people understand success rates when it comes to running the ball versus passing the ball and just how pass heavy the game has become even though there was a there was a bit of a shift last year right that the NFL I mean people were running the damn ball in, in 2022 but yeah I think everyone's trying to figure out like how can these guys that have earned that that have played at an extremely high level how can they how can they be compensated properly? And I, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a good answer, right? The NFLPA they can't, they can't just do something special for running backs and not do it for everyone else. Like that's just not how, that's not how a union works. So I, well, I don't know what the answer is, man. They they could, but they won't. I mean, I would say. The NFLPA may have created it. What's happened? Oh, it's a it's been over the last twenty years. Okay, the two the year two thousand is is a pretty good gauge of whenever this started to happen. Before two thousand, a lot of the most famous players in the NFL were running backs. Right, you look around at the league, and you know how good your offense was, a lot of it depended on how good your running back was. Well, what happened? They changed the rules of the game, right? They started making it easier to throw. You couldn't touch receivers down the field. You Look at where it is now. You can, Go watch the 90s and see what they did to the quarterbacks in the pocket. It was brutal. You can't touch a quarterback anymore. You can't touch him on the legs. You can't touch his helmet. You can't fall on him. I, it's so much easier to throw the football. So where's the money going? It's going to quarterbacks. How many receivers did we talk about this offseason that signed record deals? Yeah. It was like one after another, right? Yeah, I think I, think I saw the – make crap. Yeah, and the franchise tag number for wide receivers was like 19 point something million, mm-hmm. while the running back franchise number that Barkley's going to be playing on, or we think he's going to be playing on, it's like ten point one, yeah. Well, that's so, that's the thing. It's not receivers haven't gotten better, and running backs gotten worse. The rules have changed, right? So now the receivers are the star, and running backs are not nearly as as big as as what they used to be. So, I mean, that's what's created this. They can get mad there, and then they can also get mad at the abundance of good running backs, like the difference in a a superstar running back and a, you know, a, just a, a, a top guy. It's just, it's not that big of a difference outside of a few examples. So, I mean, it's just how the market is. Yeah. It, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is, but some people are saying, well, let them get to free agency quicker. I, I don't really know. All I know is this. Like, if you're a running back and you're playing college football, 
I would I would go somewhere where I know I'm going to be splitting duty with a couple other guys. Right? I want to be able to go into the NFL and say, "Hey, I have very few miles, right? I got so much tread left on the tires." Right? That that if I was an elite running back, that's something I would consider. Right? Now, you want to be the man, right? Everyone wants to be the man. There, there's no doubt about it. But if you're if you're thinking about making money playing football, you you got to choose your situation wisely in college. Right? You don't have a choice in the NFL. Whoever drafts you drafts you. Right? That's how it works. But if you're one of these top backs coming out of high school, you got to look at a situation and go, hey, I don't want to carry it 30 times a game because that's going to hurt me in the long run. Now, there's an NIL component to it, but once again, the NIL money is not going to compare to being a first-rounder. So I just, I don't know, man. Running backs, they're just in a tough spot. All I know is I was talking to my my two-year-old about it. I was like, son, I don't think running back was in your future anyways because, I mean, just look, look at your dad. But yeah, we're we're not playing running back. It's quarterback, buddy. That's that's it. And I think there could be a lot of parents around the country saying the same thing to their kids. Yeah. Well, and then whenever that happens, um, things will shift, and people will find out that if you have a really good running back, things will, you know, that it'll go back. Here's how they could help it right away. Fix it. I don't know, but help it. Stop giving automatic first downs on a five-yard uh, illegal contact penalty. That is horseshit that the NFL does that. And I, if, if it's a five-yard penalty, guess what? You get a lot more running downs. If it's an automatic first down, we're going to keep going to the air, keep getting free first downs over and over and over, right? They don't have to earn it. You just hand it to them. So, like, to me, that's that is the worst penalty in all of sports, a five yard penalty, automatic first down is stupid. Yeah. So you think maybe the easiest answer is look at some of these rules, take a long, hard look at them. And how, how can you get, how can you get into some more running situations, right? To where they're seemingly you would assume that running backs would then have more value in the game. Absolutely. Hmm. Legislation is what has changed the sport. It's how they it's how they manipulate it. It's how they, they move it around. And I can't say that it hasn't worked. I think it has worked because they put it all on the quarterback and they put it all on the face, like you have one face of each team, right? Instead of like spreading it all out to everyone, you can kind of follow one guy, right? We our one guy against your one guy. Let's see what happens. And th- that's where all the money goes, $50 million for your quarterbacks. Um, but it got that way because of legislation. Legislation is everything with how they how they call the game. And that's what's got it to where it is today. And a lot of people like that. I'm not saying necessarily if it's a good thing or bad thing, but that's the way the sport is played the way it is is because – of the way they legislate it. Yeah. It's interesting. Good luck to all our running back brethren out there. It's uh it's tough right now.
It's tough. Learn to pass rush. Yeah. <laughs> no, no kidding. All right, let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family-owned and operated. They have nine full-service dealerships, Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair cost. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Ladies and gentlemen, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winter week, thought about going with coffee. The <laughs> Open gets going at Royal Liverpool, and woo boy, those tee times are early. That is brutal. The golf sickos, the absolute golf sickos will be up and watching it live. I don't think I'm going to be one of them, but, yeah, it's always fun. Major, major championship golf. Ted, I'm all in, but. It's going to take some dedication to catch a lot of that live. I, I may, uh, get up to watch it all live. If I was guaranteed that John Rom was going to hit a protester with a golf ball. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a quote. That was, uh, that was great. When asked about whether the protesters are going to be there, uh, he's like, I don't know. I'd hate for someone to get hit with a golf ball. It's going to hurt. <laughs> it's funny. And maybe the only one I'm considering getting up for is to watch Kepka with Cantlay and Hideki Matsuyama just to see the pain on Kepka's pay, oh uh, the face uh, from the pace of play. I, I, Did they do that on purpose to him? Oh, there, there's no doubt. Right? The you, one guy that bitches more about pace of play with the slowest guy on tour. <laughs> I just... I mean, there that is not a coincidence. You, there, no one could convince me that I. Well, they're trying to create. There's probably going to be a, a, a heated exchange on the course, right? Yeah, trying to create some drama, some chatter, and it is, uh, it's working. But yeah, always, always fun when it, it's major championship golf. But my one of the week, patriotism, the red, white, and blue, the red, white, and blue, women's World Cup gets started this week, Ted. U.S. Women's National Team, first games on Friday. And somehow they're doing it as a reasonable time, which is very much appreciated. 8 p.m. start against Vietnam. They're in Group E with Vietnam, uh, Netherlands, and Portugal. They are a big-time betting favorite. Now, I think England actually isn't that far behind them in the odds. But very excited to watch. No team has ever won three World Cups, and that's men's or women's. No team's ever won three straight, and the women in red, white, and blue are going for it. So let's go, baby. USA, USA. Where is it? Australia. 
Australia. Really? Okay. New That's Zealand cool. and Australia. Shrimp I on the Barbie. Australia. My Australian accent sucks. I thought it was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I I think it's strange. I haven't seen anything about this leading up to it. There, I feel like it's usually a huge deal. And when I saw this in the rundown, I was like, "Oh, I yeah." The best that. Peter, the best piece of marketing I've seen is from the French women's national team. Did you see that commercial? I did see that. That was good. That was really. That good. was one of the best pieces of marketing I, I I've ever seen. That was very very well done. It also there was probably a lot of people that saw that commercial and they're like. I feel I, I kind of feel attacked right now. And I think that was the point. But yeah, it's I feel like there's buzz, but are you just saying there's not as much buzz as you Yeah. I don't I feel like it's usually like everywhere. And maybe I've just missed that could be a me thing. I fully um fully understand that that could be the now case. that you say it though, I haven't I don't know, maybe maybe I haven't been much my two-year-old doesn't care about how hot it is outside. He just wants to play outside, so I'm not watching nearly as much TV. And, But, yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I still think people are excited, though, right? Because we're good. Yeah. So we're going we're to watch. One more thing about the French commercial marketing thing. I, after I saw it, my next thought is well, how long if if it can be done that good i i don't know how they did that to make it that good like what's the at some point what, like how do we know who we're watching you know what yeah. i'm saying oh little ai conspiracy here if you haven't seen the commercial, maybe I need to go back and watch it now that I know and see if I can tell. I, I did that. Couldn't no. tell at all. So basically, if you haven't seen the commercial, go watch it. It's incredible. But they they take these soccer clips and it's men. Like it looks like it's the French. It's a men's French national team playing. What do they call them the blue or something. Yeah, like that? the blue. Yeah, but they actually, but it actually the clips are the women. And they have digitally altered it to where it looks like men. And then they show you that they did it. And you realize that this was actually the women's national team doing all these cool things and scoring all these goals and doing all this cool stuff. So it was, it was very, very effective. I think it, I think they, they sent the message they were hoping to send. Yeah. It's, it was very well done. Yeah. But you're, you're over here going, Hmm. Maybe but too you know well what done. I'm yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, it, th- you reach that point where they start showing you, like they remove uh, the re- remove the men, and they show that it's actually the clips of the women, and everyone that at that point, everyone's like, "Oh, yeah. that's wild." Yeah. yeah. All right, but my, my loser of the week thought about going with Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern. That thing's about to get ugly, man. Mm. Got a couple different lawsuits popping up. You know, players suing Fitzgerald, the athletic director to the president for negligence, a group of another eight players. Now they're planning on taking legal action against Northwestern. It is, uh, it's about to get real up there, man. That is, 
there is a long road ahead for that university. Long road. I don't even know. I I don't even know what to say about that. I I think it is. It feels like it's turned into a money grab situation. You know, I I'm totally against hazing. Think it's stupid. Um, but I, if you're going to sit around and not ever say anything about it, ever, like they did it to you, but uh, you didn't step up and and try and get it stopped. You didn't say anything to a coach. You didn't say anything even after the fact and you're just going to jump into a lawsuit now i i think that that is i don't know i'm not a fan of that at all i think it's yeah. extreme we'll, cowardice we'll see where it goes but if i had to guess um uh, that they're they're never gonna they're never gonna make it to court that's gonna be a settle out of court situation and uh, I'm just interested, like, what are the what does that mean for the rest of college football, you know? And where does the liability for a head coach start and stop? Right. It's like, hey, I got hurt during practice because we were doing this drill. You know, I'm going to sue the coach in the university for the drill. That, that's – yeah, well, I, if it takes place in the locker, like, what if there's a fight and someone gets hurt? Is the coach liable for that? If that whoa, happens whoa, whoa. in the locker, there's room? never fights in locker rooms. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, I, UFC uh, ring at times in there. Yeah, I. That's that's a really interesting point. I don't know, but yeah, we're we're gonna have to follow this whole thing because you know we'll because you're right. It may have an effect on college football as a whole and what this means for head coaches, like what they are deemed responsible for, right? Cause everything, everything I've read said that Fitzgerald didn't know. Yeah. And, but he's being, I mean, he's named as a defendant in this lawsuit. So I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes, but my, yeah. my no, loser no, of the week, the PAC 12, They've got their media day on Friday in Vegas. And we already know they are not going to announce a media rights deal. Uh, a league source told ESPN that the deal will be released in, quote, the near future. <laughs> and they expect it to be on par with the ACC and Big 12. This is what, the seventh time, eighth time we've been told that the deal is coming soon? Ted, mm. I... I they're saying their patience is going to pay off and that more people have come to the table. I am going to, I'm going to need to see that to believe it. We're waiting. I, you cannot be in a worse negotiating position than the PAC 12 is. Everyone else has their deals. Um, I, time is not on their side. Their group is already fractured with USC and UCLA leaving, but rumors of more fraction developing. I there there is no offer that's going to get better. The offers are going to get worse and worse and worse. And the offers that are they look at as decent right now or 
a month ago that they don't accept are going to get worse and no longer be on the table. It's just that's how it is for them right now. Yeah. Brett Yormar uh, interviewed him at Big 12 Media Day, and he straight up said, hey, I'm really glad we got our deal done early because I'm not sure we could get the same deal done right now with how the media landscape is. So I, I am, I'm skeptical of what some of these PAC 12 sources are telling people, right? That, Oh no, 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 it's all fine. We got more people coming to the table. We're going to, we're going to get a good deal. It just does not feel that way. But I do, I just want this deal to get done. I'm so tired of talking about it. (laughs) I mean, I really am. And, Especially OU's going to be in the SEC for what seems like eternity. Like OU's got stability. That's why they did what they did, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have the ultimate stability being in that conference uh, when it comes to football. I, I really, I just want this deal to get done because I want to know what the college football landscape is going to look like. And I'm aware that realignment never sleeps. I get that. But this next period of college football, I've, with OU starting in the SEC, I just want to know what the rest of the picture looks like. So come on, Pac-12, let's get this done. So Colorado or Arizona or whoever can decide if the deal's good enough for them to stay or if they're going to go somewhere else. Please, we just want to know what teams are in what conference. Get it done. I didn't think about this until just now, but I'll add a layer of suck onto the top of this for the Pac-12 with timing. Have have you followed the writers' strike? Oh yeah, because all I'm doing is watch it. Like there's none of the shows are on right now. Like none of the late night shows they've been off for forever. So I'm just watching. I'm I'm streaming Netflix and everything. There's plenty of content on there. All right, I didn't know anything about it, and then I saw a clip yesterday, and. I I don't know what all the grievances are, but one of them are with streaming services and the royalties that streaming services are paying. That's a a huge piece of it, from what I I understand, from what I've read. Yeah, so I I guess I don't need to get into the fact that, but streaming was supposedly one of the avenues that the pac-12 was looking at right some of the streaming services well the streaming services are like they're in the middle of something that's way bigger and i frankly i don't know like they may be worried about their bottom line as far as like the users have are not going up anymore and i if they have to start paying royalties per view as opposed to just buying the rights overall which is what they've been doing that could massively affect their bottom line. Yeah. So that <laughs> more bad timing for the Pac-12. Yeah. And you think, because remember, there were a lot of reports that streaming was going to be the main portion of what they were going to do right? with their media rights deal. So with everything they're dealing with, and the writers are striking, and now the actors are striking. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's a lot going on. Best of luck to our man, George Klyavkov, <laughs> and to the Pac-12. Just get it done. I want to know who's in what conference. Get it done, guys. Come on. On that note, episode 337 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Sunday. Just a reminder, 
You can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on Big 12 Radio, Sirius XM Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Another night.